Welcome back to part two of this episode with Jeff Bullock. In this second portion, we get into working with the young men. We talk about the color code. We also have a group discussion where we talk about something that I think is important to a lot of us and, and has affected a lot of us is doubt and even being angry at God. And, and what does that mean? And is that okay? I want to give it. I want to kick it back to Robert again because yeah, you okay. you wrote read through all of Jeff's responses a little while ago. You had some more questions that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask you about your time as a, a young men's president. That's not a thing anymore. They've just, I guess it's expired now. But I wish it was. I w- just, yeah, just continue. I'm, just I'm gonna, sure just you. Gonna, I'm not sure what happened there. <laughs> but well, I guess what have been some of your favorite memories of being oh, a young men's president? Oh man, me being inactive for so long and so mercurial with my activity. Our biggest push with the young men were to activate members that weren't coming to church and also invite non-members and to build an environment that they would all be comfortable in. And these young men just embraced that. We had people getting baptized. We had uh, five brothers that were headed to prison, started coming to church. And three of them turned out all right. I think one of them actually did go to prison. To see the light go on in people that have been inactive for so long, or they finally see the gospel for what it is, and the light goes on. I mean, you've probably all seen that, too. But it it was amazing. And in my patriarchal blessing, I was told that my strength is with the youth. No promises were attached to that. It was like God was saying, here's your strength. Let's see what you do with it. Mm So all my callings have been with the youth. I love the youth. In fact, I probably get along better with the youth than I do adults. <laughs> I read into that what you will. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but that was probably one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, I've taught gospel doctrine. I've been high priest group leader. I've done a lot of things, primary teacher, Sunday school teacher. But mm. young men's president was probably the most rewarding calling I've ever had trying to guide these young men to better lives and hopefully become missionaries. In fact, that's a challenge Bishop gave me when I took the calling when I taught you. Really? He said, I've got all these young men, and all they ever do is become prospective missionaries. None of them go. go, And I'm calling you because I think you can get them there. And when I heard you was going, I'll tell you what, I cried. Really? It was awesome. It was awesome. And— Guiding the young men to where they should be instead of to where I was. You know, I I hate to see anybody go through what I went through, and I think I can use what I went through to help them not do that. I can see some pitfalls, and I can see where they're going to trip up and kind of guide them through that. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it was the most rewarding calling I've, I've ever had. That's awesome. And maybe just for a little bit of context for those that are listeners, uh, when I was a deacon, um, Jeff was one of my uh, young men's or deacons and uh, instructors. And so I have a lot of fond memories of Jeff and we we go back. I'm, I'm talking like I'm 40 or something, but um, <laughs> one thing that I'll always remember about Jeff and there was another um, guy as well, his name was Senny, is that they're, they're, they were always so willing to kind of do what we wanted to do. And sometimes that can be really chaotic because we, you know, we want to do paintball and we want to do something pretty crazy. But I think the one thing that we always just wanted to do was go camping. Mm-hmm. And that's where it kind of really changed uh, all of our relationships. We all became really, 
really, really good friends on those campouts. And I I have the most fondest memories of my youth just going to campouts with Jeff, our leaders. And I think I think if there's anything that a young men's instructor can do is really kind of impress those 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 memories. Those because those I think we always will cherish for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And you definitely did that for sure, Jeff. Well, I gotta ask you one question. Can you tie a clove hitch? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. On okay. the spot. Or, a, rope or another uh, story. I've watched. We, we worked on yeah. that so hard. That's I actually story. almost took his hands and walked him through <laughs> it. And then he'd grab both ends of the rope and just look at me like, huh? I can <laughs> I can totally relate to that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I can yeah. barely tie my shoes in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It took me two years to learn the clovefish. Holy like, cow. It's so easy now that like I can do it. But I remember, can, I remember first, like, I still remember the first time Jeff was teaching me and I'm like, these two ropes, there's no way they can even touch each other. They just, they don't go together. But, so hey, he's a miracle worker as well. No, that's cool. It, it makes me, what you're talking about, Jeff, it makes me think of something that our leaders in the church have been emphasizing for years and years, which is extending inspired invitations to the youth. Mm-hmm. And that includes serving a mission, right? And I, I think that's, our role is pretty small as leaders. We're, you know, I I think there was this mentality out there of we're going to transfer all of our adult skills onto you, but really, as, as leaders, we're we're reminding them of who they are and who they can be. Yep. And and we're extending the invitation to be great. And Robert, you're well on your way to that, man. Like, oh, I hope so, man. Uh, just seeing <laughs> seeing who you are. Next primary teacher right here. Seeing who you are, man. <laughs> after uh, after coming back from a mission, it's it's pretty awesome. Thank you. You know, I you can even bake bread. You know, like you know, I can do I, I can do it not, all now. You know? Not yeah. that we not that we know. <laughs> no, no, we not that. Yeah, it didn't bring any. T- yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, we, not not for you guys. We had a bet <laughs> that you were going to bring bread or Did cookies, you? and yeah, <laughs> just. Well, I thought about it. I thought about sitting it. Sitting here drinking water and you know, <laughs> choking just, on it. <laughs> yeah, me. It's okay. It's fine. After that calling, I'm going to say something about Robert here. It'll probably embarrass him a little bit. Oh, after that calling, I kind of became inactive again one of my trips out, he kept coming over to my house and just sit with me and talk to me. And I know he didn't drive. So I go, how'd you get her? Oh, my mom brought me. She's sitting in the car. <laughs> so his mom or his sister would either bring him to my house and sit in the car while he came in and visited with me. And before he left on his mission, he looked me in the eye and says, Brother Bullock, I'm not going to give up on you. And that probably meant more to me than just about anything in my life. And I love you for it, man. Of course. Look where you're, look where you are now. <laughs> so, yeah, I just barely came back to church. <laughs> <laughs> something is something. But, yeah. And and I think uh, I, that just made me think that the talk about reactivating members too it is, you know, and you were able to do some good work there. We we were talking about this pre-show about how as, as bishops, we meet together with stake president periodically. And, and one thing we did was look at a graphic of the number of times people pray throughout the day and how it correlates with their activity in the church. And people who pray multiple times a day, the likelihood of them attending church regularly and holding a calling is very high, right? And it drops down significantly as activity goes down. But what I found interesting is we were talking about, you know, the people who never come to church and, you know, 
how much they pray and that the emphasis was that it's less than people who go. But when you look at the graphic, it's still people who never go to church still say that they pray daily, at least, you know, 50% of those people. Hmm. And I, I just, for me, it was a signal that even if people aren't showing up, it doesn't mean that they've quit. You know, there are people there that are still fighting, that still, like, they still want God in their life in some way. And it's not our place to judge where they're at. There, there might be a lot of reasons. And, you know, that spark might just need to be ignited by the right person. I don't have anything else to say other than I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, through all, through all my bad times and everything, I grew up in a very spiritual family. And had seven older brothers, all of them that reached age to go on missions, went on missions till I came along. But growing up, learning about the church, seeing the things that I saw, seeing the power of the priesthood that I saw, the miracles happening in my life, I never lost my testimony whether I was coming to church or not. Mm -hmm. I still always believed in the atonement. I believed in God and that he could help me and get me through things. Mm -hmm. And it's probably one of the main reasons why I come out of where I was, because a lot of people didn't make it. I had a lot of friends that didn't make it, and it's it's all grace to God. I mean, he saved my life at least four times, and I can name them. But just because somebody's not in church doesn't mean they're not spiritual. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes somebody's good spirit to come into your house. And you didn't ask me to come back to church. You sat there as a friend, brought the love of Jesus Christ into my home. I felt it. And we became friends, and I thought, hey, maybe this word's not so bad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that our leadership has emphasized that more as they've shifted from church attendance to covenant path and relationship with God. I, I think that you talk with somebody, a friend who isn't coming to church regularly, maybe the first invitation isn't to come to church. You yeah. know, maybe it's to get their patriarchal blessing. Maybe it's to, you know, pray as a family. That's a big one. That's that's a big one. Nope. We made the dog mad. <laughs> All right. I didn't do it. The dog has been on this podcast before. Yep. You, <laughs> you have seen him, but I don't wanna. I think our dog you ever watched the movie The Sandlot? Oh yeah. Is it? Yeah, I, love, I, love, I think our dog is like the dog <laughs> on the sandlot kind of <laughs> like Sounds just like Except it. he's actually maybe as mean as <laughs> they yeah, think. I'm good. Yeah. I'll pass. Yeah, you might wanna pass on that, but uh <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, everybody, that is our dog, Blade, in the background. And thank you for joining. <laughs> I, I want to get back to something kind of interesting, too. So you said you're an expert, too, on color code personality assessment. I'm, I'm curious about that. Color yeah. code personality assessment. I was an employee involvement facilitator, and we took a test called the color code that assessed our personalities. And, I, and that intrigued me. So I bought the book, The Color Code, by Dr. Hartman. He's a renowned psychiatrist that wrote mm -hmm. this program. And that intrigued me. And I started putting people in categories. You're a red, you're a blue, you're a white, you're a yellow. You know, there's there's four personalities. And when I was going to war with my boss, I knew that my career was coming to an end. So I called Dr. Hartman's son-in-law and said, what's going on with this? What do you do with it? He says, we facilitate and teach classes all over the world. He said, are you interested? And I said, yes. So 
I took their class, uh, studied up on the color code and how to assess personalities, how to build teams with that assessment, uh, how we're all responsible for our own relationships. My relationship with Robert is not up to Robert. My relationship with Robert is up to me. I have to know where he's coming from. I have to talk his language. I have to act in a way that he can relate to. It's not what we say, it's what is heard. So it's it's actually a really good program. So I started, graduated from there, started doing some assessments and some teaching, and I love it. Anybody who gets into the color code, they can't get out, even if they want to. <laughs> my son my son had called me when he was married he said my wife is such a red uh, <laughs> I go let me guess she's doing this this and this and he said yep as an unhealthy red okay so, so for those who don't know so it's it's red blue white and yellow is that right yep. okay. yeah and yep. what do those yeah. represent red uh represents power they're the they're the go-getters they're the people who make things happen they build the bridges they control things sure. But they can be kind of selfish, kind of self-centered. Blue is all about intimacy. They got to know that you care before you can do anything with them. Hmm. But if you can get a blue to like you, you're you're golden. They're, they're there for life. Yellow is all about fun. You can get them to do anything you want as long as it's fun. I'm a yellow. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good to know. And, yeah. and white is all about peace. They don't understand why people argue. They don't get it. Long as they're homeostasis with everything, they're fine. Mm. So we teach people about number one about their own personality and how to stay within their personality and communicate with the other personalities. Like, how does a white who is all about peace communicate with a red that's all about go get them and make things happen? Yeah. How do you do that? And vice versa. How does how does a red make a white feel comfortable if he's working for him? Uh-huh. So there's healthy and unhealthy traits in in every color. So the goal is to be well-rounded and bring in all the healthy traits of all the colors into your personality. Interesting. I had a a friend that I couldn't pin him down. One day is a white, one day is a yellow, the next day is a red. I'm going, geez, my mind is just going crazy. So I called called Dr. Hartman and I says, what is this? And he says, it sounds like he's healthy. I went, <laughs> so this gentleman had all the healthy traits of all the colors yeah, and none of the negative traits. He's just a wonderful man. That's funny. That reminds me of, were you there the episode where we did the Harry Potter personality quiz or? Uh, yeah, I was. I was. I didn't. Then sure I said, I like, I'm Gryffindor on a good day and Hufflepuff on a bad day. Yeah, because we talked about it. <laughs> and then somebody <laughs> we, bought me that, yeah. from that episode, somebody bought and sent me a Hufflepuff tie. Oh, oh. <laughs> I haven't seen you <laughs> wear awesome. that yet. Where uh, is this? I, I wore it to church. Yeah. 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 Oh, I missed it. I'll wear it again. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll try to remember next week. Actually, next week's word conference. So I'll feel Hufflepuffy that. that day, probably. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A little out of the box yeah, for a little, bishop, but yeah, I like it. for sure. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Cool. We should do the color personality test, too. Who? Um, maybe. Mm. I'll watch. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just trying to figure out what shade of red you are, Josh. Or mm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make any jokes about being pink. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have secondary colors. Oh, <laughs> Uh, you give me if the, you want, you, I'll, I'll send you a link. You can take the 
Uh, that would be cool. We'll we'll start off the next episode with our results. Mm-hmm. Link it with the podcast so people yeah. can click on it and take it. Yeah. Right? Oh, we should. Yeah, I've Excellent. got a link that's free that will give you a basic personality test, basically yeah. tell you about I your personality. I am taking that after this podcast. <laughs> then I've got I links. To, I need to know. Then I got links that I buy that will not only tell you about your personality, but about all the other personalities and how to relate mm. to them. Yeah. It gives you full access to the website and cool. everything. Wow. So. Now, did you end up doing this as part of a career in organizational development? or uh, I started doing it, going into businesses and setting, setting teams up, which was fun. But most of it has been through my uh, coaching business, personal and, and relationship coaching. Couples will come to me and we're having problems and we can't understand it. Well, you're talking to him through your personality. Don't mm-hmm. understand that he hears this and vice versa. I said, you're not communicating. Wow. You're, ju- you're just talking, and I could help them through that, through the color code. Now, is that something you still do? Or? Oh, yeah, I do it when yeah. people want to. It's usually mostly by word of mouth, cool. same with the hypnosis. So. Yeah. Trying to get the business going, but it's tough. A website's $1,000 a shot, mm. and that's just a basic website. Sure. I got I to have about five pages, so I don't know how much that's going to cost. Mm. But we'll get there. Do it slowly, do a basic website, and then build on it. I wanted to talk more about your membership in the church because you're a lifelong, you you're grew up. And, born in the church, yeah. But you, something you said before was really interesting to me is that this has been a long fight. You know, you've you've been in and out of activity in the church. I think you even mentioned, like, your relationship with Christ. You, you said, I fought him so long. And, you know, you went through the experiences you talked to. You were mad at God at one point. I, yeah. Could you tell me more just what that process has been like for you? Well, I grew up in the church, and, you know, they train us everything. They start in primary and just move you right through and teach you everything. So I have a good knowledge base. Uh, I had one brother die before I was born. I had another one die of leukemia when I was three. I had another brother die when I was a senior in high school, and then Kevin was 52 and he died of cancer. I've had five friends die. And here I'm, I'm an addict. I'm trying to kill myself. I want to die. And God keeps saving my life, which kind of made me mad. You know, he's taking all these other people away from the earth, and he's leaving me here, and I want to die. So I got mad. and then. There had some things happen in the church by some people that shouldn't have happened. And I know people who hold positions of authority, they're human beings also, mm-hmm. and they have faults. But the things that happened affected my entire family, and I couldn't understand how God could let that happen. So I was actually mad. i really mad. Wouldn't go to church, wouldn't talk to anybody about church. Don't talk to me about anything. Just stay away from me. And until uh, I had that talk with my mom, then, then I kind of woke up and realized what had been happening all my life. And even through the times that I was mad at him, verbally, outspoken, everything, he was still always there for me. Like I said earlier, every time I took a misstep, every time I did something wrong, he was there to teach me a lesson and to pull me through it. And he did it time after time after time, no matter how bad I was, no matter how much I badmouthed him, no matter how mad I was, he was always still there for me. And that, that's never going to leave me. And uh, now I'm trying to do everything I can for him. I mean, he mm. gave me this 
education. He's got he's got sons and daughters in all walks of life, all types of people in all types of situations. And he allowed me to go through these situations so I can help people who are there and don't know where to reach. And and I can be open and talk to them and and uh it's really it's it's really exciting. It's fun. Cool. I this brought up a subject that I think about a lot lately. And actually, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna plug another book here because <laughs> I know I know I plug a lot of books on the show, but this was a a good one that was recommended by a friend. It's called When Faith Fails, and it the name's kind of it, it it's actually a misnomer a little bit because it's actually a great book about doubt and how we reconcile that with our faith. It's written by a pastor. I think he lives in Portland. So it's kind of a fun book anyway, where he talks a lot about geography that we all know. But it just, uh, in the book, it talks a lot about being mad at God. And I think that a lot of us grew up with an idea that that was not okay. Like it was not okay to be mad. It was not okay to have doubt, right? Doubt was something to be very afraid of, right? And I just wondered you guys' thoughts, Robert, I know that's been part of your journey. Josh, I know it has been. I just, I wanted to know your thoughts on doubt and being mad and is it okay? Hmm. I think doubt can be healthy to a degree just because you, sometimes people that only see one side of the story or one side of whatever it is you're looking at, I guess the gospel or the church, if you only ever see, you know, the one side where you do everything right, and you only know the one side of everything, sometimes you can become a little naive about how life can work and it makes you harder to relate to other people. I think it can kind of get in the way of possibly, um, you know, going on a mission. I think it can get in the way of that. Um, I think having a little bit of doubt and just exploring a little bit of every side of everything, I think it could be healthy um, just uh, for an understanding. And I don't think you can build a testimony without a little bit of doubt. Mm. I think that, you have to have a little bit of questioning out there so that you can find your answers or just research, just blindly believing everything, following your parents' testimony rather than developing your own, I think can get you into some trouble. When I was a kid, David O. McKay gave a talk and he says, I don't expect you to believe me and take me at face value. Mm. He said, I'm just a man. Mm -hmm. I expect you to go home, take what I've said, and pray about it and mm-hmm. make up your own mind. Yeah. Apply it. See if yeah, it works. Just apply mm-hmm. it and see what see what God tells you to do, not me. Yeah. He says, I'm just a I'm just a voice. Mm-hmm. And and that impressed me. I don't remember much about my youth, but I remember that one. What do you think, Robert? Yeah, I think experimentation is very important. One of our main purposes of being here on earth. I think doubt is uh definitely something more important than we think. Uh it's my it's obviously used more for the darker side, but uh, I, I love doubts. I think for me, when I have a doubt, it drives me even further to kind mm-hmm. of figure out the answer. But if it's something kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't really know what that is. But if it's really something I really want to know about, I'll just, there's something with that that goes with it that kind of helps me really kind of find that and that courage to kind of go figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And sometimes, you know, doubts um, don't, aren't resolved immediately. They do. They really do need some time. Yeah. And I think I remember the there's a there's a quote mm. by Tadar Callis here that said, "Don't lose faith in the many things you you know because of a few things you don't know." Mm. And it's true. A lot of a lot of questions do take time, and I think some of that is just kind of to our understanding. 
sometimes doubts are a little higher than our understanding. And sometimes we just kind of need a little more understanding just to kind of resolve it. Wow. And I, you said a lot there. And I think that it gets back to our conversation earlier about being comfortable or uncomfortable, right? I think there's a couple of natural ways that we try to react to doubt. We, we either say doubting is bad, and I can feel very comfortable to just blanket say that I shouldn't doubt. It can also feel really comfortable to just lean in fully on the doubt and say, I'm just going to become a non-believer, right? That can be a comfortable route. I think the most uncomfortable thing, but the most beneficial that you're talking about really is learning to sit with the doubt and let yourself explore your faith, right? But it's the most rewarding path. Yeah. Yeah. Like when we teach in the color code is drivers, what drives you? Yeah. And I think if the if the doubt drives the proper behavior, then it's good doubt. I mean, faith inherently comes with doubt. I mean, we believe in something we can't see, something we can't touch, something yeah. we may have felt. So there's there's still a little bit of doubt there. Sorry, but there is. Mm-hmm. And uh, but what what behavior does that drive? Does it drive you to study? Does it drive you to pray? Does it drive you to seek that spirit? Then the doubt is good. Where my doubt went bad is when I went too far. Yeah. And I became comfortable with my doubt and my hate, and that was my comfort zone. Yeah. It was like when they called me to be the high priest group leader, I says, Bishop, you got to understand, I'm more comfortable with people that don't walk through that door than I am with people that do. <laughs> I've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. that feels like. And and it's it's true to a lot of people. You get into a comfort zone and 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 you enjoy that. You, it feels good to be in a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes we got to be knocked off balance with a little bit of doubt, so that we do find the truth and do know yeah. the truth. What about getting angry, having Ooh. getting getting frustrated and angry with God? I'm going to come right out and say that's not good. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, because He it's gave not. us. He agency. Gave, yeah, gave he's us everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did give us free agency, so I got the right to be mad. Mm-hmm. Not the right, but I have the ability to be mm-hmm. mad. It's my choice. Yeah. But me and being mad at somebody who gave me everything and everything I own yeah. is his. Yeah. I really don't have the right to do that. So that was my conflict through life. I was mad, but I knew that was wrong. Mm-hmm. But it was also my comfort zone. You know, now what do you mm-hmm. do? So, <laughs> so you do more drugs to forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not liking this. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> And I think there is that healthy anger, you know, I I think we were, we were talking a little bit, Josh, about like the relationships and, you know, sometimes yeah, I don't, there, maybe there's a perfect marriage out there, but, you know, where you get in a fight and mm. sometimes the best thing you can do, honestly, is get in a big argument that leads to a conversation you should have had a long time ago. And I, I do think we can have a similar parallel with God, right? Whereas the, alternatively, there's sometimes the worst thing in the world is if you're in a relationship let's go to robert too just thinking about this like in a companionship in a mission oh, yeah. right <clears throat> where isn't the worst thing in the world sometimes where you just like get on each other's nerves but you're like you know what we're just forget it I, i'm not going to talk to you about this man no yeah. uh, i know exactly what you're talking about i i, <laughs> I had i i had a lot of my companions that struggle with some kind of mental um uh, mental disorder Anxiety, depression, ADHD, ADD. So I I don't have many friends uh, with that. So coming on a mission, it was so, so hard just learning, living with somebody, working with somebody with that all day. But what I did learn is that when those those anger times do come, 
it, it really is kind of a breather when you do have the conversation because it's, it's in a way it's like you can be thankful that it kind of came up because uh, you were able to resolve it anyways. <clears throat> and I honestly, I I've had plenty of my times where I've been very very angry at God. But what I loved about it is that it always kind of showed something more positive than a negative. Mm-hmm. It always showed up me coming closer to him, even loving him more. And I think it's kind of the same thing with kind of when I, when I was younger with my parents, when I was given something or they told me something I really, really didn't like. Mm-hmm. I ended up loving them eventually even more than that. Yeah. I, I, I was just gaining new appreciation for the Psalms, actually. It was, it was a book that I would, you know, there it's, the language is kind of beautiful, and and um, I know that we quote a few of them pretty often in whatever faith tradition, but I, I enjoy more the Psalms where you do see people in the midst of struggle, and they're, sometimes you can feel the energy is like, God, oh, like I am so mad like right now, um, but they're staying in the fight. They're not giving up, and I, I think that kind of frustration can lead to really positive conversations. And I, I think that just like being in a relationship, like you said, sometimes just having that conversation can end up being really positive. But what do you think, Josh? I think you should try to do everything you can to have a, a conversation prior to the argument. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what my counselor told me anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Not Nobody's let perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes those are, sometimes the arguments I think that just kind of I we talked about with with the color code thing. I think sometimes you just you're just not good at communicating with, you know, you think you're communicating your point, but you would only be communicating it to another person that's your same type of yeah. attitude or color. You have to learn to communicate. It doesn't go with just your wife, it goes with your kids. Let me tell you, all three of our kids all different from yep. Reagan and I. Reagan has an extremely difficult time um, hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast with communicating with uh, Donovan and Gabe sometimes. But I relate to them just because I just understand them a little bit more because that's what I went through as a kid. So you just, I think it's just learning to chit chat with everybody and don't take everything so seriously. <laughs> Unless it's bills, then you can argue about that, I guess. Yeah. Right on. Cool. So I, I appreciate you coming on the show again and enjoy the conversations we had. I have check marks next to pretty much everything we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Robert or Josh, is there anything you wanted to get into before we close here? No, I'm just excited to see you at church. I didn't I didn't know who you were, so it was awesome to get to meet you today. Yeah. It's been what? Seven years. I think okay, so. that tracks. Uh, I moved here about about five four or five years ago. Seven years. So. Uh I've actually lived in the ward for probably twenty years. Okay, cool. Never saw a home teacher. Some things happening I didn't like very much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've had some people come over and talk. And nobody brought the spirit into my home like Robert or the bishop here. And when they come over, I felt the spirit and I thought, what the heck? You know, I'm 65. How do I, how do I want to die? <laughs> yeah, that's, a good, that's a good way to look you know, at it. So, so I came back to church and I came back thinking that if it's the same as it was before, I'm going to turn around and walk right back out. Mm. Because even though I was an instructor, and I had friends in the quorum, I felt like an outsider because I'd had all this life experience. My education mm. had been life. Yep. And most people that walk through those doors don't have the experience that I have, doesn't doesn't understand what I've been through. But this time I walked through the door and there was Brother Tanton. 
Mm. He said, there's a face I know. Mm. I recognize you. Come here. He come up and gave me a big hug, and he stayed with me the whole day. Awesome. Sat with me through sacrament meeting. We stayed in the hall and talked through priesthood meeting, and we just talked. He's just a wonderful man. He's pretty cool. And I had people that I knew before but never talked to me, never communicated with me, would come up to me now and, and talk to me, and, and they credit it to things that you've done and things that your administration has done and talked about. And I feel more welcome, more comfortable. Awesome. So, Awesome. <laughs> I remember after I got set apart as a young men's president, I had long hair. And I come walking out, and a sweet little old lady love her to death. She said, so are you going to cut your hair? <laughs> and I had that conversation with the bishop. You know, he called me, and I said, so do I cut my hair? And he said, would you? I said, are you asking me as a representative of God, or are you asking me as a man? He said, it would make a difference. I said, well, if you're asking me for a representative of God, absolutely. I'll go cut it right now. If you're asking me as a man, no, I'm not cutting it. <laughs> so I, I walked out of the bishop's office, and this sweet little old lady says, so are you going to cut your hair? And I said, ma'am, is my hair causing you to sin? Ooh. And the bishop's wife just busted out laughing. <laughs> she didn't know what to do. I said, ma'am, if my hair is causing you to sin— I'll I'll cut it right now. I'll go. Uh, you should have just told her it's what gave you strength. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell people about my beard. Yeah. yeah, and then you shaved it. Yeah. Have you seen me lift anything heavy for the past couple oh, weeks? Oh, <laughs> is this like intentional? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I started going back to work. That's the secret story. Is Samson like secretly it was okay with losing strength because he doesn't get called to pick stuff up and yeah, yeah. he was tired. He needed vacation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. awesome. Well, we already actually the last question that we asked generally is you know what is uh, how has your membership in the church impacted your relationship with Jesus Christ? We we talked about that. Yeah, I'd like to modify it a little bit and for this time and and say. Tell us about your relationship with the Savior now and, and what that's like. Oh, he's, he's my big brother. Uh, I fought him for so long. Lately, I just, I feel him, his presence and the things he's doing for me daily, multiple times a day. Uh, I'll be talking to somebody and the Holy Ghost will say, you know, pop me upside the head and say, you're supposed to take this conversation over here. And uh, I'm talking to him constantly. Uh, he's probably become one of my best friends lately, which is surprising after the way I was. I don't know how either one of them can still love me, but they do. Awesome. I'm just, awesome. just thankful for the atonement that a brat like me has got a chance. Mm. Still breathing so I can still turn it around. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jeff Bullock. We have more episodes coming down the pipe. Super Bowl Sunday is this week, so we'll be out, but we're going to be recording weekly after that. Super excited for the guests we have coming. I'm not going to spoil it. You're going to love the people that are coming on the show. I guarantee it. We also are going to work on merch. As of this moment, I'm talking with Camille about whether we're going to do pop sockets or new stickers, maybe both. I don't know. But that will be coming out and we'll be giving it to anybody that comes by and visits the show or shares the show or...